please exhale. And now let's begin. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. If you're interested in exploring holistic wellness topics through a perspective that blends spirituality with science, I think you've found the right place. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Let's figure out this life thing together. Always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Hello, friends. I am really excited to be putting out the first episode in a couple months, almost three months. Uh, It's been since I put out a Science of Light episode, and while it's been on the back burner related to, you know, things that have been taking priority over it include my other podcast, Yogi Scopes podcast, like I mentioned before I took maternity leave. That podcast is astrology updates, so it's a little more time-sensitive, stuff than whatever I cover on this podcast is this podcast is like my baby like it's the one I started first um I love it I've been sad that I haven't put out an episode so I'm really excited to be here and putting out an episode for you and the first one I honestly I had a little bit of analysis paralysis that's why like I could have put out an episode like two weeks ago because I came back from maternity leave and I do love doing this podcast so I could have totally done it sooner but I had so many ideas that I couldn't even pick one of which one to go first because I'm just looking at the way they're all interrelated and I couldn't pick a starting point so um I've been wanting to do an Ayurveda for Pitta season because we are moving into Pitta season and I did Ayurveda for Vata season and Kappa season um, before I took maternity leave, you know, as we were uh, kind of closer to moving into those seasons. I usually do them kind of somewhat in advance. And so here I am to do Ayurveda for Pitta season. So if you've been around a while, you probably have some already like knowledge of the doshas and the seasons and that stuff. I did episodes on it way back when. And to be honest, I can't even... I. Did not include that in my preparation for this episode, like going back and looking for um, the episodes that I have done before covering Ayurveda. And like, I just don't have time to go back and listen to my own podcast to that degree. And that was before I was transcripting podcasts, which is the thing that I'm doing now. So now I could totally just like search for keywords, but I wasn't doing that then. So I would have to go back and listen to the whole episode. And I'm not doing that. So one of the things I want to do after... We're going to go ahead and talk about Ayurveda for Pitta season today, and I'm going to try to sum it up in the best way I can without being too wordy or long-winded, but then just know that next week we will launch into a series of um, just background on Ayurveda, where it comes from, more foundations in it. Um, It's almost going to be like a course, y'all. Like I'm putting a lot into preparing this, and that's part of that was going into my analysis paralysis. I was like, well, I should cover this stuff first before I cover the Ayurveda for Pitta season episode so that everybody knows what I'm talking about. But just that is to say, I was like, there's not enough time. I need to go ahead and get this out because we are definitely moving into Pitta season. I'm noticing people around me experiencing symptoms of Pitta imbalance. So this feels important to go ahead and get out. And then, um, If something doesn't make sense, please reach out to me with your questions. Hopefully, y'all know how to get in touch with me by now. You can email me, rosemary at yogiscopes.com. You can find me on social media and message me there. 
plenty of ways to get in touch with me. I do have a Facebook group. It's always linked in the show notes. It's called Yoga Plus Astrology. Um, so yeah, there's plenty of ways to get in touch with me. If you do have questions, if something I say is unclear, you can totally just reach out to me with a question or you can find me via one of those channels that are always linked in the show notes and get in touch with me so that I can answer your question or you can wait for, um, the next episodes to come out. But if you do ask me your questions, that can help me make sure that I'm addressing those questions for maybe other folks who had them, but weren't brave enough to reach out. So all that is to say, what is Pitta season? Pitta season is like summer, basically. So quick recap, since I didn't do the whole episode about Ayurveda and where it comes from. So if you didn't know already, or if you forgot, because it's been a while since I've done an Ayurveda episode, um, Ayurveda is a sister science to yoga. Hopefully most of y'all here... um, have at least heard of it before. I think I'm assuming that most of y'all here have at least heard of Ayurveda. If if you haven't heard it from me, you've heard it from somebody else because you're into yoga or if you're not into yoga, you've heard me say it before. Um, but Ayurveda is a sister science to yoga. It's more of the lifestyle component. It's very helpful in taking yoga off your mat. Basically, it's like how you apply yoga philosophy, so the ancient Vedic texts from which yoga originates, also had this concept of Ayurveda and Vedic astrology, so that's Vedic astrology is what I cover over on my other podcast, Yogi Scopes, Yoga Practices for the Astrological Weather, your yoga horoscopes, if you will, but um, Ayurveda is, so it's, it's largely nutritional, and I'm not an Ayurvedic herbal practitioner like that is a thing I'm not that deeply steeped in Ayurveda yet um but maybe one day but like after I finish my yoga therapy training I don't know who knows I'll just keep getting all the advanced yoga trainings because I'm just so enamored by everything that is yoga so that includes Ayurveda and Vedic astrology um and I just want to learn it all but right now I don't I'm I can't like prescribe you herbs but there are people out there that that can You could find an Ayurvedic practitioner, Um, but there are other lifestyle components. So that's what I'm saying. It's not just herbs. Like, so maybe you've heard of it that as that before and you're like, oh, I can go to an Ayurvedic person and they can give me herbs to take or supplements or whatever. And that is a thing, but also there's more to it than that. You can also adjust your life lifestyle. So there's this idea in Ayurveda called Dinacharya. And it's your daily routine. Um, And daily routine is so very important. Uh, I'll probably do a whole episode about that. I've done it before. Um, I think that's the episode I did way back in like the fall of last year. It was like Ayurvedic routines. Um, So you could go back and listen to that. I have done You can just go plundering through old episodes of the show. Back last fall around when I did the Ayurveda Pravada season. I know I did at least one other episode. Um, that could help explain this background, but since I can't remember, and I'm the one who did it, right, I'm going to do it again, and plus, then, even if you do remember, your memory is better than mine, um, it'll be a fresh perspective, it'll be a different angle of looking at it, right, so there'll be value in that, too, for you, so daily routines are very important in Ayurveda, and really, they are in life, like, I mean, if you ever read 
or heard of Atomic Habits by James Clear, like that's just super foundational work. Like our habits make or break us and Ayurveda can support us there. Um, so to give a quick rundown without turning this into the Ayurvedic lecture episode, everything in Ayurveda is governed by five elements. Um, like everything's made up of those five elements. They are air, ether, water, fire, and earth. And I don't believe I said those in the correct order. There is an order to it, and I'll, I'll go over that in, when I do an episode about that. I'll go over the order and why it shows up that way, because that's... Um, I have mentioned this before, like in, in yoga philosophy and Sanskrit. Um, all this stuff was like transmitted orally, which is why a podcast is a great way to... Um, transmit this knowledge and to like for you listening to become really steeped in it in the way that it was always intended you know that that people learn this stuff through oral tradition um there's a reason things were said in the order they were said in um and you can hear a really good example of that I did the eight limbs episode and I described why they limbs were in the order they're in so that's one example but there's anyway the five elements make up three doshas, and they are vata, pitta, and kapha. And so this is another nitpicky thing I learned, but hopefully if you're here, you enjoy my little nerdy factoids and tangents, right? Um, if you don't, then I don't know why you're listening to my podcast because I'm not going to change. Um, I'm full of tangents and factoids. And so I was reading a book the other day, and in the book, I finally learned... So I've said, I've mentioned this before, why I guess most everybody pronounces kapha, the kapha dosha, like kapha, and I guess I had heard somewhere that technically it's supposed to be pronounced kapha, like with an aspirated P, because it's K-A-P-H-A, because I learned this, finally I learned why. So in Sanskrit, there's no such F sound. And PH does not make an F sound the way it does like in English and some other languages, but in English especially. Um, so in Sanskrit, there's no such F sound made by the PH, but PH, so it's an aspirated kappa. So you, you put you put the little H sound in there, kappa. Um, and I may not be doing that justice, but there's supposed it's an aspirated, so you're supposed to breathe a little bit with it. So um, that is Sanskrit, but I learned that in Hindi, there is, according to this book I read by Nikolai Bachman, I was reading the other day, one of Nikolai Bachman's books, and um, according to this guy, you know, so this is coming from him, not me, um, the Hindi pronounces it with a PH, so... This is me letting myself off the hook and letting you off the hook. So pronouncing it as kappa or kapha are both correct. And I had said this a while ago that technically it's kappa, but everybody pronounces it kapha. And I think that's a good example of how language works. It evolves over time. It gets influenced by outside factors. And so I guess if you wanted to be nitpicky and be true to the original Sanskrit language, you could pronounce it kappa but I think it's also valid to acknowledge how language evolves and that kappa is actually okay I was resistant to it because I thought this was like an American edition and maybe it is 
but apparently like if it's if that's how they pronounce it in India today too then I think that's also fine and so the same thing goes for um like if you've ever heard people say pranayam instead of pranayama because in Sanskrit they didn't pronounce the a's if a word ended in a they would just end with the last consonant but in or excuse me, I have that backwards. In Sanskrit, they do pronounce the A, but in Hindi, in modern Hindi, they don't. So that's where you see the blending in the language. Anyway, that's a total tangent, but I just learned it the other day, so I want to share it with you, um, that some of these differences in pronunciation that you hear are the differences between um, Sanskrit and Hindi pronunciations. And so some people are applying modern Hindi rules which is the language, I mean, lots of people in India speak English because of the the English Brit, Great Britain colonization of India, probably largely, but um, a lot of their language is actually Hindi. Sanskrit is just like an invented language by the Rishis, as far as I can tell. I don't know, this is just my preliminary re research, but I assume if you're here, that might be interesting to you. So anyway, that was a tangent about Kappadocia, Kapha Dosha, either way is fine. Um, so the doshas are vata, pitta, and kapha, and they govern everything. They govern, uh, like, all, all material matter. Sorry, that was redundant. Everything that exists. So um, we'll, we'll talk more about the differences between, like, manifest world and spirit kind of stuff and, and what, what Samkhya philosophy, what Vedic philosophy has to say about that. But everything in the world, suffice it to say, we'll talk about that stuff next week and get in the weeds there, but right now we're not doing that. Um, so everything in the world is made up of these five elements, and the five elements combine into gunas, which then also form doshas. So the gunas are the more subtle qualities, um, and then they turn into doshas, and that's like, so we're all governed by a dosha. And I've been promising forever that I'm going to get a dosha quiz up, but June is finally the month. Like, I'm doing it. There will be a quiz. It's not there yet, but you can find them on the internet, too, like, to find out your dosha, but I'm going to make one, too, um, because I want to. And so you can find out your dosha. You can find out which one you are predominantly ruled by. Most... For most people, it might be two. Like, you'll have one predominant one and then a kind of secondary one. and then, But then also doshas govern times of day, times of life, times of year. Um, and so, like, seasons. Seasons of life as well. So, it's a really beautiful framework to look at um, just the, the flow of the natural world and how we fit into it, right? It's just... It makes it so simple. That's why I love this system. And so I I guess I spend a decent amount of time, time trying to address the people that might say it's an oversimplification. I'm not doing that anymore. I think it's beautifully simple, and I think it works really well. And obviously there's a time for getting more nuanced, but there's also an extreme value in simplifying some complex things so that we can work with them more easily. And so... The seasons, Pitta season. So Pitta is governed by the fire and water elements. Vada is air and ether. So Vada is like late fall, 
so like the fall time when it stops being hot like I, I've lived in North Carolina my whole life and it's hot like into October here um so late fall as in like when it actually starts being cool so it might be earlier if you live somewhere up north or somewhere else um where it starts being cool earlier in fall but here in North Carolina at least in the south it is hot until solidly until November so Vada season doesn't kick in until it starts actually being cool outside the leaves start falling um air gets really dry um for the south where it's it's just humid here um and then kappa season is l late winter to early spring. So there might still be some snow on the ground, but that kind of like April showers bring May flowers kind of energy um, when it's just like wet and still cool outside. Like it's not hot yet, but everything's just wet. It's just raining a lot because kappa is earth and water. It's mud, you know, um, so it's it's earthy. And I actually, I talked about that on the Yogi Scopes episode that went out last week about how the energy right now of the astrology is a little bit, a little bit Cappadocia, man. And my husband likes to make, make fun of me. He's like, that sounds real Cappadocia. Like copacetic, I guess. It sounds like that. Anyway, so the energy's kind of a little bit still Kappa, but we're easing into Pitta season. So Pitta season is when it gets to be like the heat of the summer, also into that early fall time where it's still hot outside the days are still long kind of at least up until the fall equinox for sure um while the days are still long still hot outside um and so as above so below right when the days are long we're able to do more stuff you know um we can just cram more stuff into our days we get less tired we might sleep less that's actually i mean that's scientifically supported too because your body produces melatonin when it's dark outside and when it's dark for less time, your body produces less melatonin so you're less tired. So if you have kids and your kids are sleeping less, try not to fight it too much. Like my toddler this time since daylight savings time, his bedtime has moved from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. And at first I was like really super fighting it and then I quit and our lives got so much easier when I quit fighting it. Um, but so then the same is true for you. If you just feel like you're staying up later, um, within reason, like if you're staying up till the middle of the night, that's probably not good. Um, like I recognize that some people are night owls. And if your circadian rhythm has been set for a really long time, like whatever, do you. But like I was saying about the melatonin thing, your body does naturally produce melatonin when it's dark outside. So in the summertime, when the days are longer, especially as we approach the summer equinox or summer uh, solstice, which is the longest day of the year, um, you might be less tired. That's fine. It's a great time to get a ton of shit done. Like, like I urge you all winter to rest and relax and let yourself be tired and let yourself do less stuff because... You're going to feel like doing less stuff when the days are shorter. So if you can at all build your life to where you just do more shit in the summertime and less stuff in the winter, I think that is fantastic. I think that is a great use of this energy. And I recognize that not that like a lot of people can't. A lot of people go to the same nine to five job all year round, whatever. Like there are other ways you can work with this energy other than just your work schedule. 
But if you do have some autonomy over your work schedule, it's okay to be a little bit balls to the wall during this time of the year. I, In fact, I encourage it. Like, harness this energy, use the shit out of it, be balls to the wall. But if you get imbalance, we're getting ready to talk about what pity imbalance looks like um, and how to work with it. If you start to feel imbalanced, so signs of pity imbalance are burnout, you know, um, dehydration, but then also pit. So if you didn't know, Ayurveda includes a lot of poop talk. So if you don't want poop talk, if you're uncomfortable with it, maybe you stop right now, but it's only weird if you make it weird. So don't make it weird. Um, so Pitta imbalance because it is that fire element and water. So it's fire and water. So if you have like loose, hot stools, loose, hot bowel movement. So this looks more like diarrhea. So, um, kapha dosha can look more like constipation. So can vada. Um, but pitta imbalance can't, it's like, it's like, you know, when you eat spicy foods and it hurts going in and it hurts going out, that's pitta imbalance. If you have a sign of pitta imbalance of like, spicy poops, basically, I don't know how to say that more delicately, um, than that, I mean, people do it, but I'm not the delicate one, you might know this by now, um, I'm, I'm just leaning all the way into it, that I'm kind of brash, and that's who I am, I'm not the airy-fairy yoga teacher, and I think, you know, if you want an airy-fairy, find one, it's not me, uh, so, anyway, pitta imbalance, I'm very pitta, right, and that's what I've, I'm not going to fight that part of myself that I'm kind of brash. But if if it were to get to imbalanced state, that's where things like arrogance come in, um, being like hot-tempered. I don't have any symptoms of hot temper myself, really. I'm not like I don't have a big temper, but that is a sign of, of pitta imbalance. Um, so Ayurveda says... If you're having a problem, cultivate the opposite. But here's the thing. We crave what um, what already puts us in imbalance. So this idea that like increases like. So a lot of times, Pitta people are the ones that love spicy foods. Actually, in fact, I know several Pitta people in my life that love spicy foods. And I know it causes them imbalance. I, in fact, I've been one of those people and now I just can't be because I have toddlers that I cook for and they don't eat spicy foods so I can't make my foods as spicy as I want to anymore because my toddler doesn't like black pepper even anyway so I have to be really moderate with my spices now in, in my cooking and I can't eat as spicy as I would like to but I've seen this I've seen people that love spicy foods and they know it causes them spicy poops and stuff um but they keep eating it. So that's a sign of pitta imbalance. But then also like pitta people tend to be like the type A people, people that identify as type A. That's a very pitta quality. And it's okay to be type A. It totally is. Like that, in fact, that's great. Like I was saying, like with the summertime energy, if you feel like doing more stuff, feel like being more social, um, like just packing your days full of stuff, that's fine. And in fact, you might need to like, for example, um, you have to like mow grass. I don't know if you have grass, like, but that's not a thing you have to do in the wintertime. So that's one more thing off your to-do list 
in the wintertime and one more thing on the to-do list in the summertime and pit season, right? So that's just another example. Like, it's fine. It's fine to have more stuff to do. In fact, I think you should. I think you should harness the energy and do more stuff in the summer than you do in the winter. But if you start to experience symptoms of imbalance, um, that's what all these practices I'm getting ready to tell you. So symptoms of imbalance could be like being too rigid, like being type A to the point where um, it's actually like getting in the way of you enjoying your life or like causing you some anxiety, being too rigid um, or burnout, you know, stuff like that. Adding too much stuff onto your plate can cause burnout. So I also described this in last week's Yogi Scopes episode about, um, or actually I guess it was two weeks ago now, um, talking about the Agni, the fire element. And that's actually, oh, announcement starting, I guess, tomorrow from when this releases. I'm trying to record content um, ahead of time. And so I'm planning to release this a week from today. It's Wednesday, May 25th as I'm recording this. And I'm planning to reach it release it next Wednesday, but I might get excited and release it early because I do that sometimes, um, especially because it's been so long since I released an episode on this podcast. I might screw around and release it on Friday. Who knows? But anyway, June 2nd, next Thursday from when I'm recording this, but Thursday, June 2nd will be the first yoga practice together. I'm offering it for free in the Facebook group. So if you're not on Facebook, you can email me and I might hook you up with a recording reward you for reaching out because I love it when people reach out to me. So if you're not on Facebook, email me and ask about the recording. Um, or you could join the membership because it's I'm going to go live in Facebook to record the class. And I'm going to leave the, the live in Facebook up for an undisclosed, undisclosed amount of time. I haven't decided. It might be a day. It might be a week. It might be a month. Um, but eventually the recording's going to go away. And it will be housed in the membership And maybe you're here listening to this podcast because you like this podcast, but you're not into astrology. So I'm currently working on a way that you could, if you were interested in practicing yoga with me, you could just sign up for the yoga portion. But I do know that the people that study astrology with me are interested in yoga. So they're getting the yoga practices already added to their membership. So I'm currently working on conceptualizing how to offer that separately to people that may want it but I haven't fully figured it out yet so I don't know exactly what it's going to look like but I do know that in June I'm creating the space I'm carving out space to start offering online yoga classes because so far I I teach about this stuff I lecture about it on the podcast and then I go and I teach classes based on this stuff in person but not everybody that comes to my in-person classes listens to my podcast so if you want a chance to embody this stuff Join the Facebook group and come to the lives that will be on Thursdays for the month of June, um, with the exception of like one Thursday. I'm leading a hike. It might not be live, but I'll still put a recording up. Um, anyway, I'm just doing it and putting it out there, and I'll refine it as I go. So it may not be this way forever. It may not be Thursdays forever. Um, as we create the space, we'll figure out what works best for everybody involved, but a yoga practice to balance Pitta Dosha. It's what I've been teaching about in my in-person classes for the last like two or three weeks to stoke the digestive fire. So Pitta is the fire element, right? And where do we have fire in our bodies? It's Agni, the digestive fire. And so what do fires need to burn? 
they need fuel, and they need oxygen. So they need earth, the earth element, like logs to burn, fuel, um, and air. And so I described this on the Yogi Scopes podcast episode, like, you know, the how you're supposed to stack the, the logs in, like, a tent or either do the Lincoln log thing where you stack them in a box um, so that they're able to get airflow. There's, like, certain ways to stack logs in the best way when you're building a campfire. Um, there's a couple of really good ones that allow the logs to be, you know, you don't just make a stack. You know, there's got to be airflow through the stack. So there's ways to do that so that they're stacked well with good airflow. Um, and so symptoms of imbalance could either be too much fuel, your shit's too tightly stacked, you're taking in too much, taking on too much, or too much airflow, too much movement. And you need actually, you know, because because wind, a fire needs air to burn, but if the flame's not well established, the wind can blow it out, right? So that's that's the idea, um, and we want to balance it. So that I'm try I try to on this podcast give you like general ideas, but obviously I can't speak to everybody's unique individual situation, and that's where working one on one with me would be a good idea. You could get an astrology reading, and we we could talk about some of this stuff. But then also pretty soon I'm launching. Um, my yoga therapy practicum for my, you know, if y'all have been around for a little bit, you know, I'm training to become a yoga therapist. So I will start taking on yoga therapy clients, um, here in person in Asheville. So you'd have to live here for that because it is, you'd need to sign up for six weeks at a time. Like it's not just a one and done type thing, like an astrology reading can be. Um, but I, after I get a little bit established within person, I will figure out how to do online, um, Anyway, so Pitta imbalance, it's either too high or too low if it's not balanced, right? So hopefully it's balanced and you would experience like good initiative, good drive, like getting things done. You could be type A, right? But not to the point where it's causing restriction in your life. That's That would be a good sign of Pitta imbalance. But it could be that you're imbalanced. Sorry, let me clarify there. Pitta in balance or imbalanced. I don't know if that comes across on the pod, podcast. So um, if Pitta is balanced, you have good drive, good momentum, good initiative, right? But if it's imbalanced, you might, or off balance, I should say, you should, um, you might feel like burnout or dehydrated because, you know, the fires like burn up all your water. Um, or you might, be kind of aggressive or oily skin is another like so especially the oils around the chin like if you have breakouts around your chin and an oily oily skin especially at your chin that could be a sign of imbalance of pitta so how are you going to balance it one way would be to purify the agni in the sense that you it's like getting an oil change like you clean the you know, clean the oil so it burns cleaner, right, is the idea. Like, so fanning the flames is not always what they need. Sometimes they need better better fuel. Like, your car will run better if the fuel is cleaner kind of thing, like in a combustion engine, if that's valid. You know, maybe you already have an electric car. Um, but on a combustion engine, it runs better if the fuel's cleaner. So same idea with our digestive system. 
and I recognize I'm trying to be sensitive to like diet culture stuff because I recognize that that can be like a touchy subject, like what is eating clean really and truly, right? Um, and I don't think we all need to go and eat just like nothing but vegetables all the time because that could cause vata imbalance. Um, because cold raw vegetables are very vata induce, inducing, so eating nothing but that is is would cause an imbalance in another direction. So our goal is never to overcorrect, right? So if you are experiencing pitta imbalance, here are the practices you could use to work with that. And and these might be things that are good to incorporate in your summertime anyway, even if you're not experiencing the symptoms of imbalance, because um, like I said, as above, so below, the summertime, the heat outside and the weather is going to add pitta to our lives. So you might not experience the symptoms of imbalance, but it would be good to incorporate these things in the summertime anyway um, to just help the pitta energy along since there's excess of it in the environment around us right now purely by the um, fact that it's summertime here in the northern hemisphere. So sorry if you're in the southern hemisphere. Go back and listen to the Vada and Kappa episodes I did like six months ago or more because that will, those will be applicable to you now. Now there will be all three out there, so you can revisit the stuff anytime that maybe you're experiencing pitta or any dosha imbalance for any reason, right? So um, first, find time for spontaneity. So like I was saying, type A folks, um, if it's, if it's a pro- being type A is not a problem, but if it becomes a problem, like you're too rigid, just find some time, like try your hardest, try your damnedest to be spontaneous spontaneous that can be hard for type a folks i guess um and just incorporate a little bit of that leela that sacred play into your life that's great for this energy also tongue scraping so tongue scraping is going to remove ama the white stuff on your tongue so ama is um it means like poison like that's kind of what it translates to it's toxins in the body so we take in toxins all the time and our body's pretty good at dealing with them. Like we have systems in place for that, but I don't think it's unreasonable to think that those systems could every once in a while get overloaded. And that's when we would need something like an oil change, you know, think about changing our diet to put in better fuel, but also tongue scraping. Um, it helps Pitta because it, it removes ama, which is toxins or impurities that um, come up from digesting foods that create extra impurities in our body. And you'll notice that you might go through phases, especially if you start tongue scraping as a regular practice. You can order like a tongue scraper online. I ordered a copper one from Amazon. It was like super cheap, like 10 bucks or something. I think it was cheap. Um, and so you just scrape your tongue with it. It works better than using a toothbrush. You can just use your toothbrush if you're in a pinch. Just start, you know, brushing your tongue when you brush your teeth if you don't already. But a tongue scraper could be a great investment because you'll notice you'll go through phases. Like if you're sick or something or you've been eating like crap lately, you might notice your tongue's more white when you wake up. Um, And then when you're feeling more well overall, it might be less white. So just incorporate that practice. That's a good one for pitta imbalance and then so dietary concerns 
Uh, you'll want to avoid heating foods like coffee, fried foods. So fried foods increase the oily quality. So if that's an issue, the oily quality, you might want to avoid oily foods. Um, and you'll want to lean towards more vegetables and grains. So the grains are going to be a little bit grounding and the vegetables are going to be cooling. So if you're experiencing vata imbalance, vegetable like cold vegetables are not the move because that's going to add to the vata imbalance um but also coconut water and coconut oil are great for cooling you can cook with coconut oil or drink coconut water and you can also so if you've ever heard of a bianga the self-massage the ayurvedic self-massage i discussed it in the vata episode if you want to listen to that one to hear more about a, a bianga or you can just look it up um, but it's basically like rubbing oil around your belly button especially, but you could do a whole self-massage with oil. And there are different oils that are pacifying for different doshas. For pitta, it's um, coconut oil. So you could just rub some coconut oil like on your belly and make it a whole ritual. You know, rub, like rub your body down with coconut oil and make it a self-love practice. Um, and I would, if you're experiencing extreme pitta imbalance, I would recommend avoiding cayenne pepper and red peppers. Um, so pitta pacifying tastes are sweet, bitter, and astringent. So sweet fruits like melons, um, peaches, cherries, things that are just ripe in the summertime and like we, we enjoy eating them more in the summertime anyway. Like eating fruit, cool fruit in the summertime is great for balancing this energy. Um, and then also cool vegetables like summertime. It's time to eat salads because it's hot outside. Eat cool foods. Um, and make sure you're drinking plenty of water. You can add coconut water to that. This is just good advice, y'all. Like, that's why I love Ayurveda because it's, like, so simple and it just puts good-ass advice in a framework that's, like, easy to remember. So, like, eating cold salads in the wintertime maybe doesn't feel so good. Like, maybe you probably crave hot foods in the wintertime. But in the summertime, you probably don't want to eat hot foods. You don't want to come and eat, like, a bowl of chili when you've been hot outside all day, you know what I mean? Because chili is a heating food. Hopefully, y'all know what I mean. Like, if you don't already know how your food impacts you, just start noticing because that's a very Ayurvedic concept. Notice how if food is heating or cooling and things like that. Um, and then in terms of yoga practices, uh, restorative or yin yoga is indicated here because they're great for cooling the system but since pitta is at you know the agni is at the the belly things like forward bends are uh, gonna aggravate pitta so that's why I'm like almost like yin yin might not be the one so restorative and especially if you can do restorative that opens the belly and chest that's gonna be really good but yin might actually because yin's kind of like the more intense version of restorative in some ways don't persecute me if you're a yin person and that's an oversimplification because it'll tote because it totally is an oversimplification but it'll totally do for this context it's not the time to talk about the nuances between restorative and yin but practices that are cooling so hot yoga may not be the move right now if you're experiencing pitta imbalance if you're not that's the caveat of this whole thing if you're not experiencing imbalance do what you do Keep doing what you're doing because you're not experiencing symptom of symptoms of imbalance, so you must be doing something right, right? But if you are, maybe you avoid hot yoga, 
hot spicy foods, add some cooling yoga, some cooling foods into your life and diet, and that's how you'll address the imbalance if you're experiencing any. And then also if you're just in a regular, like say like flow class or vinyasa class, like not heated, regular, any other kind of yoga practice, maybe you just don't, maybe you take an approach to it where you're not trying to strive where you find your edge of the pose and then back off like 20 to 25 percent that's a that's a very yin concept right like find your edge and and but I think in yin you're supposed to like go to your edge and stay there so that's why I'm saying yin even might not be um right like you probably need restorative to kind of reset the nervous system yin can be intense actually I think it's designed to be intense so restorative is probably a little better and a breath practice, look up Seedily Pranayama. Um, it's where you curl your tongue. You make like a straw with your tongue and just breathe through that. And it's very cooling. Just try it out. You'll see. You can YouTube it if you need to. But this is the kind of thing where I'm like, I need to start teaching yoga online so I can just have a practice library for you all that I can direct you to. Like, that sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Um yeah, so you have access to this stuff when I just mention it quickly. And then I can get quicker about the podcast episodes because I'm not trying to describe it. I can just, like, send you the practices. Anyway, that's the dream, and I'm building it. Um, so, yeah, and then also other lifestyle factors and considerations. So moonlight is really calming for pitta imbalances. So if you can sit out and look at the moon when it's out or even go for a leisurely stroll while the moon is out, that should help. And going swimming, like summertime's great for going swimming anyway, but just go swimming, especially in a natural body of water, that can help with pitta imbalance. And then try not to do your most heating activities during the pitta time of day. So normally with Dinacharya, with daily routines, we tell you to reserve the pitta time of day for your biggest meal. Like so, so pitta time of day is between 10 to 2, and that's a.m. and p.m. So you want to try to be wound down for sleep before 10 p.m. because if you if it 10 p.m. hits and you're working or something and you're not winding down, you're going to hit your second wind. I know you all have experienced that before. And if you haven't noticed it, pay attention next time because that's a thing. Um, but if you're like tired and you're working and then 10 p.m. hits and you're like, ah, I can stay up all night now, that's because it got back to pitta time of day. Um, and so try to be wound down before then. But then in the middle part of the day, it's good to continue to eat your biggest meal of the day at that time, but try to avoid the sun. Like you probably try, want to try to stay out of the sun between 10 to 2 if you're experiencing pitta imbalance. So again, all this stuff was the caveat is if you're experiencing imbalance, this is what you're going to do. Um, but all these practices are also good to just incorporate into the summertime. So that's it. That's for Pitta stuff. Be on the lookout. I will explain. We're going to be launching into some cool Ayurveda stuff coming up um, and also getting back to doing interviews. So those will be woven in. Um, I'm really excited to be back. And yeah. That's it. As always, remember to keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. I'm so grateful that y'all are here. Until next time, friends.